Hi, and welcome to Behind the Headlines on the SOT Radio Network. I'm Neil Bradley, my co-host Joe Quinn. Hi there. And Harrison Keeley. Hello. Today is Sunday, 18th March, 2018, and we are discussing the week that was. This week, I think our lead story is going to be on this insane, insane, totally insane episode coming out of the UK with a Skripal poisoning, the poisoning of a former Russian intelligence officer and the insane international incident the British government has made out of it. You all know where we stand on this even before we discuss it, but we have to discuss it. We don't even want to discuss. I mean, this should not be a story, right, guys? No. It's one guy. He's not even dead. There's a lot happening on the planet that needs attention, but our attention is forced onto this non-story because the British press... British government is making such a scene out of it. And I think they're they're really going out on a limb this time. I mean, the, the world is looking, but I think the world is looking because so much noise is made out of it, not because it is actually worthy of much attention. Mm-hmm. It's enter- entertainment. No? I mean, it's entertaining. No, I mean, it keeps people happy. <laughs> It's, it's almost like... It's like this In a kind of whistling past the graveyard way. Well, no, for most people. Maybe subconsciously, but it's more like... I think it's it's grabbed a lot of attention or grabbed people's attention because uh, because it's a spy thriller, you know? It's a, it's a spy thriller story, right? It's like lots of people have probably read some Cold War spy thrillers. They probably watched some movies that, that loosely follow this kind of plot. And um, certainly members of, of Theresa May's government and MI5 have watched those movies because that's pretty much where they got this plot from. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Did you see about the, the TV show? There's a, a British TV show. I don't, I, you know, I'm not familiar with a lot of British television, but apparently it's one of the kind of political dramas that's, uh, that's been on British TV where they had a plot line or several pro- plot lines, like I think it was four episodes of this, uh, this show that was pretty much the exact same plot line using Novichuk no way. nerve agents. Oh, yes, yeah. I read something about that, actually. Yeah, yeah. Novichok. Mm-hmm. Uh, new, Newcomer. The new guy. The new guy, which is complete nonsense. Well, right there, start with that name. I mean, it sounds Russian, it sounds bad, mm-hmm. and it sounds like you don't want to be touched with it, right? But yeah. it literally means new stuff. Newcomer. Newcomer. New guy, new person. So it's like saying... New thing. It's an international scandal, and someone in Russia, an American or British person has been poisoned by chemical agent by chemical agent yes new chemical or agent. by some stuff by new chemical stuff um yeah well the problem is like right off the bat is is the fact that all of this stuff they said right off the bat basically it just i was like having flashbacks to nam not to nam to uh i was having flashbacks to 2003 and dodgy dossiers, and uh, Saddam Hussein can get us in 45 minutes. And then I was having flashbacks to 9-11, where within an hour of the ta- attacks in the World Trade Center, it was uh, Osama bin Laden did. Really? Okay, Osama bin Laden did. Did you get that, folks? And so what are we going to do about that? Where is he anyway? He's in Afghanistan and possibly Iraq. Okay, and we're going to Afghanistan and Iraq. What time is it now? Oh, it's about 11.30 in the morning on 9-11. All right, well, that's it, folks. You heard it here first, and it's like, hang on a minute. Shouldn't there be an investigation? investigation. The kind of, you know, well, maybe some proof. 
Nah, we've got the story. I mean, I was handed the story before the attacks actually happened, so we're going to run with this, and this is what's happening, you know. Um, so that's, I mean, that's, yeah, that's immediately what I thought of, and any, any sane person really should have just, you know, thought of at least, at the very least, the weapons of mass destruction uh, debacle in Iraq. Uh, in 2003, where they made up all sorts of stories and catapulted the propaganda and didn't give anybody any evidence. And only the evidence then comes out years and years later, you know, mm-hmm. that they basically were making it all up, you know. So um, that is the first reason that everybody should have been, what? No way. You're, you're obviously, you know, this is a setup, basically. You've obviously set this up in advance. You have the story. You're running with it. Um, you know, you don't need any, to provide any evidence other than simply... Because we say Russia did this, Russia did it, you know? Well, the interesting thing is that when it first happened, the, the British government was actually, like, uh, sounded like a voice of reason, <clears throat> slightly. Like, the media imme- immediately took on, like, uh, took the Russia story and ran with it. But the, the the government, like Amber Rudd, was saying, no, we shouldn't be hasty. You know, we have to do an investigation. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, wow, they're actually being semi-responsible. That's weird. And then it was like... Um, Somebody said something. Six, six to eight days later. Right. Then it was, then Theresa May, I think. Right. I was wondering why we didn't discuss this last week. This actually happened two weeks ago, Sunday, 4th March. But they didn't go crazy with it initially. No. Well, the media did, but not the government. Okay. And since then, it's been full spectrum, out on a limb. Yeah. And I'm, the crazy thing for me is, that there's no backing down from it. Mm-hmm. Usually, I mean, even, I mean, the British, going back through the ages, really, when it comes to propaganda, they're very good at it. I mean, they're subtle, such that there's always a way out of it, a back down, you know? But this one, you're all in. I mean, Theresa May's government is, is toast unless they, what, keep this up. They really have to. Mm-hmm. There's no way out of it. Yeah, well, they're fairly confident, but I think... In cases like this, Theresa May's government and the people in the government, it's bizarre, but I don't think they really know what's going on. It's kind of these <clears throat> situations are, are dropped in their lap, uh, and they're just the spokespeople. They're dropped in the lap by the kind of intelligence people behind the scenes who, who organize this kind of situation and obviously have access to the, to the kind of uh, sensitive materials, sensitive uh, substances involved, and, and, and you know, details are coming up with a backstory, intelligence channels, all that kind of stuff, they can weave a, a narrative around it. And then they just dump that narrative uh, onto the politicians who who then blithely just, you know, just run with it. Uh, <clears throat> and they give them things that uh, fit very much with their established, the politicians' established ideological uh, bias, which is obviously anti-Russian. So, I mean, this is just, this is a no-brainer. You drop this in, in the laps of any member of the Conservative Party in particular in the UK. And... Uh, they're not going to question it at all, you know. They they know what it's kind of like they know what they're meant to do with this, you know. Um, so yeah, yeah, it, it is. It's, it's a strange thing because it did actually happen. Yeah, I got. I looking back, I was under the impression that this actually happened just a week ago. But that's when the store, when the when the government, uh, or less than a week ago, when the government really went full anti-Russian retard with the ultimatum. Yes, it's forty-eight hours. Well, the statement that Russia did it. Uh, except, as Craig Murray was pointing out, they use this. Uh, uh, they repeatedly use this very, very <clears throat> strange uh, kind of these strange words are way, a way to, strange way to describe what's actually, you know, their their allegation. 
which is that uh, a chemical weapon of a type developed by Russia. That's as far as, and he has, he's a former, Krigmer is a former uh, US ambassador to Uzbekistan. So he claims to have some uh, contacts in the foreign Commonwealth office, the foreign office, basically, the Intel, Spook Central in in Whitehall down in Westminster there. And um, they've been telling him that uh, the people uh, in Port and Down, which is just a few miles, a chemical lab, a chemical weapons laboratory, research laboratory, just a few miles from where Skripal was found and lived, uh, that those people did not want to say definitively that this was made in Russia or this was Russian or they had no evidence that it was made in Russia or anything like that. Uh, but simply the f- most, the furthest they, that the, <clears throat> the ones pushing the anti-Russian narrative could get them to go would be to say that it was of a type um, developed by Russia. And that's interesting that he was an <clears throat> ambassador to Uzbekistan because Uzbekistan was where the, right. the chemical weapons like research laboratory allegedly was in the 80s. I believe it was the 80s, not the 70s, right. where where these Novichok chemical, you know, nerve agents were supposedly developed. And the guy that uh, the only, like the only reason we know about this is from a Soviet defector who uh, wrote a book on it, and he said that he was part of this uh, chemical weapons team developing these weapons. And he he's he's the guy that is the origin of the name Novichok. He says that's what it was called. Mm-hmm. The Russians actually deny that it was ever called Novichok, mm-hmm. um, but you know, that's, yeah, that guy would. That guy's called Vil. Mirzayanov, mm-hmm. and he actually he's a defector. He's he's in the U.S. now. So the interesting thing is that is that uh, so Theresa May claims that the, this nerve agent that supposedly was used to 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 poison these two people was developed in the USSR. Um, but uh, last year, Russia finished destroying all of its stockpiles of chemical weapons under the oversight of the chemical chemical weapons uh, commission. Um, and they actually said, here's a quote from what was said by this, it's the OPCW, the um, Organization for the Pro- Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, the, um, was it? and um, Ambassador Ahmed Uzmuku or something, Uzumku, uh, stated that the completion of the verified destruction of Russia's chemical weapons program is a major milestone in the achievement of the goals of the Chemical Weapons Convention. I congratulate Russia and I can m- commend all of their experts who were involved for their professionalism and dedication. This is the official international body who said all Russia's chemical weapons gone. Very good, great job, Russia. Last year done, uh, and yet to, now today, Theresa May and Bobblehead Boris and people like that come out and try to claim that Russia has been secret with no giving no evidence. Russia has obviously secretly uh, stockpiling mm-hmm. weird chemical weapons. Despite this, um, and and. Because because this guy Skirpal happened to be poisoned by something, some type of chemical weapon uh, uh, in in the UK, and that's their evidence. They have no evidence that it was Russia at all, and apparently they're not providing any evidence. They don't need to. Um, but the, the interesting thing, so the interesting thing is that they make that allegation, and yet, in order to identify it, which they claim they have identified it, uh, we're presuming since Portland Down is the preeminent, maybe the only place or the major place in the UK that actually investigates and develops uh, uh, chemical weapons and different strains of, chemi- of, of, of biological weapons, effectively. Uh, it's a very dirty, murky, scary place, I'd say. Uh, it's very large as well, but uh, it's been around for a long time. There's been other things that's been involved in over the years, basically testing 
poisonous substances and, yeah, chem- and chemical weapons. Over a hundred years, on, they were developing on, like mustard gas, right, on people, sarin, without their, VX. without their, without their, uh, <clears throat> um, without them knowing. Yeah, without their informed consent. Consent, yeah. Um, but for for them, for the British government to say that they knew, they know this specific type of um, chemical agent, they, by definition, have to have a sample of it to compare it to. They have to be able to identify it themselves. So, and that usually means, apparently, in the world of chemical weapons stuff, you basically means that you have to have a some sample of the weapon of the of the substance that you're saying. We know we know what the substance is because you have to have a uh, some of it. Yeah, to compare to. To compare to. Uh, so that means that if they make this claim and if you accept their claim, that means that <laughs> that the British uh, defense Department of Defense effectively has this chemical weapon mm-hmm. in its possession in in, in Port and Down has has developed it there. Um, that's one thing. And this is, so the first point is Russia destroyed all its chemical weapons, chemical, we- chemical weapons stop, stocks last year. And was the first country to do so. Well, the first country to do so and was overseen by international body, mm-hmm. congratulated on doing it. That's the first thing. Russia doesn't have any. The second one is the British government says they know what it is that kills Skirpal, which means that they have it. Uh, the third thing is, is this guy that Harrison was just mentioning, um, Vilmir Zanayov, who wrote a book about chemical weapons and supposedly developed this, quote-unquote, Novichok, this series of, or this type of uh, chemical weapon. Um, he is in the U.S. and moved to the U.S. And he's the one who's being quoted in the media today saying that, yes, this must have been the Russians, I know, and all this kind of stuff. But, dude, first of all, the Brits have it, by definition. You developed it, and you have been living in the U.S. for decades and brought all your knowledge there. <laughs> uh and then the third thing is that one of the places, at least one of the places where this supposedly this chemical agent was developed was in Uzbekistan, relates to Craig Murray. And he actually said he, he had been at the, at the lab uh, as it was being decommissioned. And But it's well known, it's public knowledge that the Americans basically took over the lab or the, the, um, the sites in Uzbekistan uh, and helped to decontaminate them and take away whatever was there, uh, which included supposedly this series of agents called Novichok. So right there you have <coughs> the Americans and the British are all over this in terms mm-hmm. of having access to this uh, chemical agent, and the Russians don't. Uh, so, and yet the Russians are being accused of being responsible for this poisoning simply because, we presume, the guy is a, Rus- a former Russian agent. And it hinges on that idea that he is mm-hmm. a former Russian spy who turned... Uh, Turned to, turned uh, as double agent basically for the British, and that's the mainly that's the narrative, that's the plausible reason why why everybody is meant to believe that uh, Russia is, is responsible for this. Uh, this guy was arrested in 2004 in Russia. It was Skripal, yeah. After returning from the UK, yeah. Skripal, yeah. Skripal or Skripal. Um, <clears throat> in 2006, he's convicted under. Russian anti-espionage laws and convicted for basically giving away the names of some 300 agents mm-hmm. to the British probably slash Americans yeah, and uh, he's tried and he actually gets off with a fairly lenient sentence I think 14 or 15 years in 2010 he was released as part of the spy swap mm-hmm. after the illegals program mm-hmm. was discovered in the US 
uh, again, again, the British American, like, joined at the hip, yeah. these people. A, a guy, a Russian in Britain, is released as part of the illegals discovery and spy swap in the US under Obama. Henceforth, he's been living in the UK under his own name. Mm-hmm. His daughter traveled from Moscow that day or day before. the day before. There's no secrets there. No. And the guy was, the guy's been there since 2010, so he's living, uh, his daughter's still a Russian citizen, and apparently his daughter's a Russian citizen, but she's now in, supposedly in a hospital with, with her father, having been poisoned in one way or another, and um, I suppose Gripple himself is no longer a Russian citizen, because he defected effectively by becoming a British spy, uh, but his daughter still lives in, in Moscow or somewhere near Moscow, and she was just over on holidays, uh, But so she's a Russian citizen, and the Russian embassy wants access, as is, ha- as is the case uh, anywhere else around the world, where if, if a citizen of a country is in a hospital or is in an accident somewhere or other in a foreign country, the embassy, the consulate in that country of that country that she's from, immediately gets access to her to go and provide, you know, if you need to bring her back home, whatever. So the Russians uh, have asked for access to the, the daughter, Yulia, and they've been denied access to her because you poisoned her. Maybe you'll kill her. You'll try and poison her again in the hospital or something. So that's, I suppose that's the narrative. Uh, but it's kind of ridiculous, yeah. And um... but the narrative is is dynamic. It's fluid. Yeah. Pe- people have pointed this out. Well, the other thing I wanted to say about Scribble was that he'd been there since since 2010, so he's been there for almost eight years. And he's driving a he's driving like a probably like a four thirty forty thousand pound car, a uh, five series BMW. Uh, he's living in a three hundred fifty thousand three hundred fifty thousand pound house. Uh, in a nice part of the UK, in Salisbury. Uh, and nobody knows what he does. Uh, he's obviously uh, residing, okay. residing there at her, at her Majesty's pleasure, and Her Majesty is very happy with him because she's obviously keeping in, him in, in a fairly high standard of living uh, since he's driving around in an expensive car and living in an expensive house. Um, but he's no longer useful. This guy has been kind of... He's kind of... He's dry as a spy in that sense, in terms of any information you could get from him. He's, he's out of the game. He doesn't know anything. He's been holed up in, in rural England for the past eight years. He doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. He's, but he's still he's still living pretty high on the hog. And that's what... Nobody has said what, what he did, but I am I wouldn't be surprised if he... Uh, given that he lived in Salisbury, uh, about, uh, you know, five or six miles from Porton Down, this laboratory, I wouldn't be surprised because it's a very big um, uh, facility, uh, Porton Down, you know, and it's, it doesn't just have the chemical weapons... Uh, research laboratory. It also has a, which is weird, the National Health Service uh, HQ basically alongside it, which is another big uh, centre. And it was moved there just over the past number of years. So you basically have chemical weapons on one side, and you have the agency that regulates the National Health Service in the UK right beside it, basically. You know, so is that like okay, that's a bit weird. But anyway, um, I bet without looking it up. I, find I think he worked they're, they're big into gene research there as well. Probably, yeah. Um, it's it's a pretty dodgy place. Um, you know, yeah, scary place. It's probably got some weird stuff going on. There. Um, but he, I wouldn't be surprised if he worked there. Basically, is what I'm trying to say. The fact that he lived five miles from this facility and he's, uh, which was, a, is it effectively a Department of Defense facility? And he uh, effectively has been was was turned by the British Department of Defence, and then he ends up when they bring him to the UK as part of a, uh, a spy swap. I mean, the British ask for him since he was working for the British while he was meant to be a working for the Russian foreign intelligence in 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 Russia. He's actually acting as a double agent. He's passing information back to the to the British. Um, 
he gets arrested, he's put in prison, and then he gets released from prison, and he asks to go, or the British ask for him, and he gets taken back to, taken to the UK, where he never spent any time before that, but suddenly that's his new home, because he, you know, it's, a, it's an unfortunate situation to be in, but that's what you get when you make those kind of decisions. But anyway, the point is, um, he, he was, he's effectively was since 2004, or well, before, long before actually, he was an employee of the Department of Defence. He was an employee of the British Department of Defence since probably the late 1990s, until 2004, so he got arrested in, 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 in Russia, and then he was imprisoned until 2010, and then he gets let out in 2010, and he goes back to his employer. And he ends up, of all places in the UK, five miles from a major Department of Defence research facility. And he's driving a BMW, and he's living in a £350,000 house. Where's he working? Yeah. Anybody? Where's he working? Mm. At the local Sainsbury, the local supermarket, maybe? Yeah, McDonald's, maybe. Well, he's officially retired. But yeah. The, the question of his usefulness... But, but, um, was he, where did he get his pension from? Is he getting Russian state pension? No. British state pension? It he appears so. Right, and he wasn't, he wasn't on the books. He wasn't an official employee of the Department of Defense. As a spy, he's not. He's getting, he's getting retainers. His, his, his usefulness as a high-value target, like that this had to be done now on the eve of the Russian elections, right, is so questionable that the British press is, this is what I was saying, referring to earlier, the dynamic narrative that they're, they're trying to come up with an alternative motive. So yesterday, The Sun, God, I hate that newspaper. Uh, but they, they have some gems, though. Uh, yesterday, they put, they put out this story. The headline is, The Boyfriend of... Yulia Skripal was a Russian Secret Service agent. Right. Now, they could be pulling this out of there, but the story goes that she is indeed in a relationship with someone who's actively in the Russian FSB. The spin on it is that this person is close to Putin. And so the counter-narrative they're saying is, well, maybe it's not the father who was the main target, but she was. Mm. At the same time that the Telegraph or some other source is saying, well, we think now that the delivery of this poison was in her suitcase so that it arrived with her, unbeknownst to her, on her suitcase. Well, that's, that's changed now. They're making stuff up because now the latest <laughs> is that they think that it was that they... Because this, this gets to the heart of the problem, of the heart of one of the other problems, of the major problems with this ridiculous story, is that how they got poisoned with uh, this kind of a toxic chemical and didn't, without poisoning... Everybody else, and if if you assume based on the narrative or the uh, the story about about how 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 it's like ten times more more potent than VX uh, nerve agent, basically, um, how did they get subject? How did they get exposed to it without in a public place? Because they're into this Italian restaurant. Maybe they got it there. Maybe someone sprinkled it on their food, like it's like you know. Uh, some Russian guy comes up with like a big long, one of those big long pepper, uh, sir. Pepper grinders <laughs> in a very heavy accent. <laughs> oh, pepper, okay. sir. <laughs> Why is the pepper I, yellow I, and smelly? Oh, it's a special pepper. Uh, I anyway. think they're saying now that it happened in their home. No, now they're saying that they think it was they were uh, exposed to it via the ventilation ducts in their in his car. Okay. So she got it. <laughs> Someone put it in her suitcase while she was in Moscow in, in one of her personal items. And then she, no, she didn't do it. Obviously, she wouldn't want to. Someone got maybe it she bags. wanted to poison him and herself. No, hang on. She, someone then got access to that from her house, put it in the vents 
the ventilation system of his car so that when he turned on the air, the, both of them got a blast of it in their face. Um, Two police officers are also apparently hospitalized. Right, how did they get it? Nobody knows. Uh, I mean, the, the, the ridiculous thing is, yeah, it's... Um, it can't have been the restaurant because if you break it open over a plate of food or whatever, everybody in the restaurant gets it. It's so potent, right? The, Every, the, the two people are waiter. dead, paralyzed within seconds, basically, and dead very shortly thereafter. Everybody else in the restaurant yeah, is like... You saw the kind it. of protections people, people going in needed to wear. Yeah. So it's highly, and, highly contagious. And apparently it, it has a very unusual kind of acrid smell. Uh, there's no way these people were exposed to something like this and then went for a stroll afterwards and eventually succumbed on a park bench. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, from a restaurant. So, uh, but then, you know, yeah, it's, they're just park bench. Do so you know they happen to be found by a passing doctor and nurse? Right. Lucky. Very lucky. I mean, they were unconscious at that point. Right. They've been hospitalized, well, they but they won't say where they've been in. They've been, been hospitalized. No. But the best bet for his recovery would be Porton Dam. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Well, the, yeah, well, definitely. Yeah. One of the interesting things about what you were saying, Neil, about how the the story is shifting and changing, is that it just shows to me, um, well, it demonstrates to me that this whole thing has been what I call like Rorschach politics. Like you get a kind of vague figure, and then you can kind of create any story out of it. Mm-hmm. Because even from what you just said, I can come up with a great theory for what actually happened. It's that uh, this Yulia was married, or her boyfriend, or whatever, was close to Putin. Well, who could, you know, and, and and his father-in-law, almost soon-to-be father-in-law maybe, is an ex-spy for the UK. He's working for the UK now. Well, maybe her boyfriend has turned her father back to Russia, and maybe this guy's spying and getting information for Russia now, you know, mm. working for the UK. So who might have a motive to take him out because of this guy that who's future son-in-law is close to Putin. Right. Well, he might just have to be taken out because he might be giving some information to his but daughter. with the added twist that you make it look like the Russian says. Yeah. So you, you don't just kill some guy that you want rid of, but rather you get two for one, basically, yeah. out of it. Uh, and it would be obvious that you would do that in, in that situation, you know, especially with the minds of people in, in MI5 and MI6. But I actually thought of that theory myself. This guy was actually had turned back. and was, I actually wrote about it in the last little article I wrote about it. I said unless, made reference to the idea, unless he had become a triple agent. There's a hole in that theory. Why? He's alive. Yeah. They'd need to kill him. Mm. Surely. I mean, they'd want to, maybe, but, but he survived. Yeah, but maybe he didn't. Maybe, maybe he's not surviving in any... In any Meaningful okay. definition of that. Of that That's term, possible. You know. um, the Sun filled in the kind of narrative because, of course, the big honking question in the room is, apart from Porton Down, perhaps, the physical issue, but the timing issue. Hmm. It's the eve of the Russian elections. Everyone, everyone is going, well, that doesn't make sense because you would not want to look bad to your own people, never mind internationally. Plus, there's a World Cup coming up in Russia in a few months. They don't want to do anything to get that taken off and more in some way sabotaged. Mm-hmm. And then they go and do this. Well, the sun fills us in. You see... We have a reason for that. Analysts believe Putin is fanning the flames of discord with Britain to boost his strongman image before Russia's presidential election today. Right. He has effectively barred all opposition but still needs a convincing voter turnout, which will be boosted if he looks tough on the world stage. Yeah, like he doesn't already look tough. 
It came as Russian exiles in the UK were warned yesterday that hitmen feared to have killed Putin's enemy Nikolai Glushov, the other guy, right, may strike again. That's Glushov, the 68-year-old who was strangled, then strung up to make it appear as if he'd killed himself at his home in Surrey earlier this week, I think. Mm -hmm. They're asking us to think that Russians' human nature is fundamentally different. You see, they don't think like you or I. It's different there. There it would be you want to do something malicious and destructive yeah. because values are different in Russia. They're inverted right. somehow. Because it would boost your popularity. Who is going to eat that up? I mean, maybe some readers, but I, readers, even yeah. even the British people subjected to this crap day in, day out, I, I, I'm pretty sure they're not buying it. Mm-hmm. And it does look that way if you look under A lot of comments under mainstream articles. Mm-hmm. They're like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about mainstream. Let's uh, let's have a listen to, um, or let's have a look here at. Um, this is everyone's favorite uh, British uh, interviewer, Kathy Newman, uh, who most people listening will know uh, of Jordan Peterson fame when she interviewed him uh, a couple of months ago or a month or two ago. Um, she has she inter- she interviews the um, the Russian ambassador. Um, to the UK uh, about this Skripal issue. Let's have a listen. Uh, for example, we don't have any access to the samples of this uh, poison. Uh, under the British classification, this is A234. That's exactly how Boris Johnson named this uh, substance in, in a conversation when I was summoned uh, to the Foreign Office. This is first. So no access to the samples. Uh, in order to make our own judgment. This is first. Second, we don't have any access to the uh, investigation. Novichok was developed by Russia. The Prime Minister told the Commons, and I quote, either this was a direct act by the Russian state against the UK or the Russian government lost control of potentially catastrophic nerve agent. Which is it? Do you like the way she asked that question? <laughs> she's such a slime, but I mean, it's just what she's typical of, of, of British uh, media. It's like, so, you either kill Skirpal or somehow you got, you lost control of the stuff that killed Skirpal. Which is it? Answer the question. Um, neither. No, no. Answer the question that I asked you. Which is it? You have to say one or the other. Say that you're guilty or that you're guilty. Which is it? You guilty? Or are you guilty? What an idiot. Anyway. First of all, you say that it was developed in Russia. But we want to say that we finished our chemical program in 1992. In 2017, in a witness of the British side and also the, of the organization of the proliferation of the chemical weapons, it was proved by this organization we uh, eliminated all the chemical weapons that existed in Russia. By Did the you way, no, 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 Soviet stocks. No, no, everything, everything, including the Soviet stocks. Everything. We don't have a single uh, piece of the chemical weapons on the territory of Russia. But you could still have lost control of that. No, because nothing to lose control. Why do you think it is that the foreign secretary says that you, you still could have lost control of the things that you didn't have? And he has like, no, what about the unknown no, unknowns? We didn't have those. But you still could have lost control of them. No, we didn't have them. Yes, but... So you're saying that you lost control of them. Shut up, Kathy. Anyway. Vladimir Putin 
it's overwhelmingly likely that he directed this attack. Why do you think the Foreign Secretary is saying We that? believe that this is the, everything was happening today uh, with this incident in Salisbury, that's a, a gross provocation against Russia. That's why it is done by, with the support of the British government and with all its resources. For that the time being, we the don't question, who what? did the attack, who you believe <laughs> carried out the attack? We don't know. That's why we are offering the investigation. And this investigation that is being held here in the UK, it's absolutely untransparent and it's secret. Nobody has access. Have you seen the photos of the Skripal in the hospital? Have you seen this? Good question. Where are the photos? Maybe you're not allowed to take photos, but certainly would bolster their case if they produce a couple of photos. Yeah, they, they showed photos. You're of saying that... No, no, I'm just... I you, didn't you see doubt? this. You I doubt? You doubt that right? he's... But did you see them? You doubt that he is no, no. still as... I don't know. No proofs. Where are the photos? There is no... You're seriously saying that there is no proof that Sergei Skripal is gravely ill in hospital? Tell me, what that is That sounds the, like a no, crazy no. conspiracy No, no, theory. no. But what's the proof? Could you tell me what's the proof? I mean, just the statements of the government is not enough for us. So how will Russia respond to the expulsion of the 23 diplomats? Will, how soon will British diplomats be expelled by Russia? I don't know. This is the, everything in the hands of uh, Moscow. And uh, Lavrov said that the, uh, the answer is coming. And in terms of other measures for Russia to show her displeasure to the UK, might there, for example, is it under consideration that the gas supply might be cut off? I mean, is that on no, the table? No, no, no. no. This, is not, this is not the Russian policy. because Exactly. You know, this is not the Russian policy. This isn't the way Russia does things. That's the way you do things, <laughs> actually, uh, Ms. Ms. Newman. You and your government, your, your government does things that way. You and, know, you know and... May, just today, earlier today or yesterday, um, she was like on the floor of the commons or something, and, and one of the hard, one of the more conservative um, like MPs questioned her and, and said, "Well, essentially, when are we going to stop getting any like liquid natural gas from Russia? When are you going to shut off that right. uh, stream of revenue? Yeah, <laughs> or, you, or stream of when are you, you know, going to shoot us in the foot yeah. again?" And she says, "Oh, yep, we're going to mm. do that." Like so, God. Is there more? Yeah. yeah. You know, in the whole history of the gas supply, we never violated a single agreement. Uh, so basically, it's not the way. This is the style of the, uh, of the British diplomacy. The UK <laughs> government comes to the Commons. They offer up their belief, their, their presentation of the facts. And Russia says, where's the evidence? But of course... I mean, how dare they? You know, someone comes to you, Neil or Harrison, and says... You killed <laughs> someone I know. Uh, and they offer, in that way, they offer to you the presentation of their facts. And you have the temerity to say, where's your evidence? What is wrong with you? How dare you? I said you killed someone. Now get on the ground and, and grovel. grovel or slither like a snake. How dare you? I just said you killed someone. Because this is the British government that has said this to you. What more do you need? The paragons of virtue and truthiness for centuries, have never told a lie, would never do such a thing, except in 2003. Are you suggesting that we are perfidious? That sounds to me like a conspiracy theory. Yes. All right, well, let's hear what he says. You have to get the evidence. You know, you can say anything, but you have to get the proof. Do you think the Prime Minister, the British Prime Minister, is a liar? <gasps> How Dare. Is that what you're saying? So what you're saying is, so you're saying is, the British Prime Minister is a liar, and 
Russia didn't do this and that we now look atrocious to the entire world. Is that what you're saying? So you're saying that you want to nuke London. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Well, you know, I'm ambassador, you know, I'm not a lying, you know, but uh, definitely uh, 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 we would like to see the statements of the prime minister supported by the facts. Crazy. Do you think the prime minister would come to the Commons and say that in her view, it is beyond doubt that Russia was responsible for this attack? Do you think she would say that she would make that up without having seen the evidence from the intelligence services? Uh... Memory, anyone? Memory, okay, it's maybe it's a long time ago. It's getting on 15 years now, but anyone? 45 minutes. Dodgy dossier. Hello. Yellow cake, uranium, vials of anthrax or something in a vial in front of the UN. Anyone would come, uh, an Anglo-American politician, do you think they would come and sit in front of uh, a public body and go on record and, and, and say something that wasn't true? Really? Do you think that? Because Kathy Newman doesn't, because she uh, has no brain. I don't know. It's not my problem. My problem is that uh, the British government is ruining the Russian-British relations. It has serious consequences uh, for the relations of our two peoples. It was reported that you met wealthy Russian business people here because they were concerned about the prospect of potentially their assets being frozen. Did that meeting take place? Well, basically, I hope that all of them will come to vote uh, on Sunday. Uh, but there is a legal system here. And uh, I'm quite sure that most of them have British passports. And uh, probably they will sue the government. Do you know Sergei Skripal? Have you met him? No, I never heard of him. Presumably, you'd want to take this opportunity to wish him a speedy recovery. I would. I would. Because, you know, this is the, uh, you know that uh, Sergei Skripal worked for the, uh, for the MI6, but uh, he was a British spy, uh, and uh, he, he was sentenced in Russia. And, so you uh, see him as a traitor? Well, of course he was a traitor. Yes. So, you, so you're saying... So what you're saying is... <laughs> so you're saying that a person, a Russian citizen who betrayed his country and gave state secrets to the UK is a traitor? Is that what you're saying? Uh, I think that's a dictionary definition. You can check it yourself, uh, Kathy. but whatever. Anyway, yeah, that's pretty much uh, it. Uh, it. It was uh, obviously yeah, a bit of a, a, clown, a clown show, as, you, as often is the case with, uh, with the British media. Um, I, I actually need to backtrack on what I said earlier. I said the British had let, left themselves no out. They did actually give them they, – they gave the two options, as stated by Theresa May. Either it was done directly by the Russians and therefore constitutes a chemical weapons attack, the first of its kind, as they were keen to tell us, against any NATO member state since the founding of that organization, or the Russians lost control of it. But it's not going to – that's not really giving them an out. It legally kind of maybe – CYA, but it, they've gone so whole hog with the media campaign, this trial by media. Well, in, ma in many of their statements, they've used the phrase like highly likely. Mm. So they, they view it as highly likely that the Russians were responsible. 
And so in many of the official statements, that's what they say, and that's their out, right? Mm. But then on top of that, you have all kinds of statements that leave that out completely, like uh, who's the new defense minister, Williamson, mm. uh, whatever his first name is, um, you know, guy Gavin. with no ex- Gavin with no experience, and he's just really insufferable. And he, he's come out in, in numerous statements and said, oh, you know, Russia will pay for what they did. And, uh, like, unequivocal. So Right. In, in and all, Russia just needs to shut up and go away. Shut up and go away. Right. And so you have all of these statements now that are unequivocal, that are explicit uh, statements of fact that Russia did this. And you can't back out from that. I mean, you can be like, oh, well, I was wrong. But for a government official to be making a statement of fact like that, mm-hmm. that can potentially be, um, um, you know, contradicted, is, uh, it's just totally irresponsible. And it makes, uh, it, it's just maddening. Like when you watch uh, Jeremy Corbyn when he was speaking to May and asking his pointed mm-hmm. questions, and he's he's ac- asking these very common sense questions, very basic. Basically, have we, um, like, abided by the, the rules of the Chemical Weapons Convention by sending the sample to Russia? Because that's what you have to do. Like within 10 days. agreed with booze and tears. Yeah, yeah. Shame, Russia. Shame, shame, bloody shame, shame, bloody Russia, commie. Look at Bravilus. It's, it's just insane. I, like, I don't even know what to say about it because... I would expect that from a Tory government. Yeah. What's <laughs> most galling for me is that people, we've got to remember, Kathy Newman is the top or one of the top um, nighttime broadcasters for Channel 4. Channel 4 in the UK is considered like their news program is the flagship investigative media uh, program, perhaps with the BBC's Newsnight or whatever it's called these days. But it is the, like, they're, they're famous. She's, she's been trained to be a pit bull because she asked the hard questions of British politicians. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you heard her there. That, that, is a represent, that is the British media at its most critical. Just eating up exactly what MI6 or whoever is mm-hmm. telling them to say. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's truth. It's fact. I, I don't think she's on there going, oh, God, they've got a gun to my head. I must say this. I'll lose my job. She no. believes it. Well, yeah. They all do. Well, um, yeah, they do. Yeah, there's patriotism and, you know, evil Russia. But are you suggesting that our prime minister is a liar? I mean, <laughs> how dare you? Yeah, I mean, talk about your bias. How are you meant to be objective when you can't even, you know... Especially when, I mean, it's one thing, she, she'll allow, people like her will allow that the Prime Minister might be, uh, might be lying in, in internal politics. Mm. But when it comes to external, it's like patriotism up the wazoo and it's like, you know, it just blinds you to everything else and you have to stay loyal to your country basically regardless of the truth of the facts. Regardless of how crass the setup against anti-Russian setup it is, uh, she doesn't care. You know, uh, and yeah, but well, I mean, we saw what she what she was like with Peter. She can't think. The woman can't think. Uh, yeah. uh, couldn't think of a word of a wet paper bag, basically. You know what I mean? Um, so, but the, the, this guy, um, I thought that was an interesting point from from this, an interesting, <laughs> detailed and, and well thought out point. Russia needs to go up and shut up and go away, uh, by the defense secretary, um, because it embodies, I think. It's almost like he was talking about more than just this affair. Mm. He was talking in general about the Anglo-American establishment's wish that Russia in general never existed because Russia is basically standing up to them and, uh, and saying no uh, and, and defending its own, its own you know, regional strategic interests around the world, and that's not allowed. You know? I mean, one example of that, uh, well, actually, we'll talk about that maybe a bit later, um, that example, that particular example. But um, so, what, what's been the fallout so far? 
Uh, London, London expelled London. diplomats. Yeah. Russia re- responded with the same number. Mm-hmm. As well, I hope uh, this isn't going to impact um, the Russian embassy in London's Twitter account. Twitter account, <laughs> because that is like they have some great. If you're not following them, you have to start because they have some great stuff every day. Actually, they just do what we do. They just hold up statements made by British officials mm-hmm. and just go, "What?" <laughs> what um, so that's just Channel Four. That, there were a couple of analyses that I read on The Guardian. And The Guardian now, again, this is the nicest face British media presents to the world. This is the left, so the softer side of British journalism, mm-hmm. The Guardian. And it's just full on like Russia bashing. We, we knew that before. They always have been. And like you said, Joe, when it comes to international matters, everyone rallies behind the, the crown. But the, the meta-narrative they're putting it in is what's important. This is from one of their most well-respected, I suppose, journalists of The Guardian. He's now an editor, Simon Tisdall. Mm-hmm. Underlying Putin's actions is a sense of Russian exceptionalism, that somehow Russia is different and not bound by the laws and obligations of the rules-based international order introduced after 1945. His attitude is rooted in the era of the dominant Soviet superpower, but its origins run deeper. 19th century Tsarist Russia both envied and aped Europe. After the 1917 revolution, it defined itself in opposition to the West. Putin has revived that tradition. It's so, like... That's such a, a butchering of history. Uh, it's, it's shocking. Um, but anyway. Another one, um, another op-ed in The Guardian by Gabby Hinsliff. Uh, hang on a second. This is a Another gem of a quote. It's really instructive, though, because it's it's kind of part of a debate that's raging, not just in the mainstream, but in the alternative media across the West these days. Uh, Russia has already learned from intervening in Syria that there is almost no red line it can't cross, no war crime so unspeakable that the West won't quietly let it slide rather than get dragged into another war where all the likely outcomes are bad. It learned from Ukraine that all is not entirely well in NATO and from dabbling in the U.S. election, not only that social media is a gift to information warfare, but that Western democracy isn't completely resolute in defending its integrity. That even a tainted victory might be preferred to defeat. Now it's moved on to testing all the other ties that used to bind and which could present an obstacle to its ambitions from the one special relationship to historical EU alliances. It will surely be watching hawk-like for any sign that Brexit has weakened solidarity between Britain, France and Germany, or that the EU is now more preoccupied with internal than external threats. The ties that bind. What is she talking about there? Because there hasn't been a conversation about this yet. In the West, There's, there are all these assumptions floating in the air, and they're kind of coming back to the surface now, today, in our time, because said ties are weakening and fracturing. They're, of course, all being projected out onto Moscow. Every mm-hmm. single one of them is Moscow doing. Right. And that's absurd, right? It's far too complex a conspiracy theory on the face of it. Mm-hmm. Clearly, these well, are also, underlying structural issues that are happening. Well, <laughs> it also ignores the fact that, that, that you're a... Uh, uh, 
screw up yourself basically that you make mistakes and you've you've screwed things up royally and things have gone wrong for you uh, because you're so corrupt and uh, self-interested and, and you don't give really a damn about about running the country properly or running uh, Europe properly. So any of the problems within that 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 arise from that. Uh, in true kind of narcissistic, pathologically narcissistic or psychopathic fashion, they blame someone else. Uh, and how sad it is. I mean, it's 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 a cliched kind of thing. Uh, it's, it's a cliche uh, in 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 normal life where you see someone who is has been the architect of their own kind of downfall or all of their own problems, and they blame everybody else. That's exactly what's happening on a large scale here, and it's sad and pathetic, you know. Uh, and the only way they're getting away with the only reason they're getting away with it is because um, because the media is giving it some legitimacy by actually presenting it as as a legitimate by 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 you know repeating the nonsense that they they spew the the finger pointing um, and it's not good it never ends well for those kind of people you know I mean they all ultimately go down with their own ship basically screaming and shouting and pointing the finger as they disappear between the beneath the waves. Rule Britannia, Britannia and taking, rules away. Taking down whoever's trying to save them with them. Trying to, but then uh, in trying to do that, they actually just speed their own demise. Yeah. You know? Um, they're, 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 they're putting out testers, feelers for pulling the English team out of the World Cup. Good. <laughs> Good, right. But like I said, there'll be far less hooliganism. If, if the English team don't go to Russia, the Russian people and everybody else there, all the supporters, all the players, everybody, the organizers, organizers of, the, of, a, of the competition will be super happy if the English team didn't go. <laughs> I mean, they should, ultimately, it would be a very good thing because all of the English supporters wouldn't go. And within the English supporters, you have a sizable contingent who are there just to wreck the place. And that's what they do when they go around to, uh, um, to, to, to sporting competitions, particularly football competitions, uh, around the world, they wreck the countries that they go to. I mean, they go into small towns and they they just they're on a kind of imperial tour, you know, well, it's, a latter day imperial tour, and they. I think it's a commemoration tour. I have to remind people who won the war. We won the war. Yes, exactly. Yes. 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 But now, is, is that the extent of it? I mean, that's silly and mundane and irrelevant. Well, the Queen's the not going. Things. That's not silly. Oh, right. Her Majesty isn't going there, and Bobblehead Boris won't be there. Can you imagine? I mean, it's, it'll ruin it, no? If Her Majesty isn't there. Mm-hmm. Imagine the photo ops that'll be missed. I, just, it, just, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I think Russia would prefer some kind of major economic sanctions or even an all-out... If, if I would think that Russia would prefer if, if the UK were to launch the few operational nukes that it has at Russia rather than not have the Queen at the World Cup. The problem is, I think there, there was a report a couple of months back that they don't work. Who? The nukes. Yeah, the few ones that they have. There's, they tested Trident or something, and then something went wrong. Yeah. The delivery system failed. Well, well their America's biatch at this point, so they don't, they've, they've long since decided that they don't need to engage in any kind of foreign policy, actual sovereign foreign policy, right? America, the Brits don't need to because, because America, America will handle it for us, you know? Uh, and, <laughs> yeah, uh, and now it's all gone horribly wrong because of Donald Trump, you know? But we don't like Donald Trump, so how can we be joined at the hip with America when Donald Trump is president and Brexit and oh my god uh, let's the Donald said something in support I mean it was obviously scripted form yeah the Queen Red Fox just made a good point there it's not just the it's not just the nukes the British nukes that don't work the Queen doesn't work either <laughs> she doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> 
She's on benefits. Yeah. <laughs> big benefits. That's the biggest SJW there in, right. in the UK. She's um, the welfare queen. Is, is, is there... I think it's tense though, right? I mean, this is... This is tantamount to incitement to war. No, How far would they go? It, it's, mad, it's, it's kind of the madman strategy, right, of just screaming war, but mm. is, 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 is it carry on up, up the Moscow? Are they have the intent to what? Are they going to. The reason why it's worth asking, because they have a history of taking things to an extreme. It's, kind of, it's a buried history, but they spent 14 years demonizing Germany before they were ready for the war. Right, the First World War. Yeah, that was a long-term kind of thinking strategy behind that. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to get. I mean, in the past they did that, and then they got some kind of a, a war to actually happen. But it's very mm-hmm. different nowadays. And I don't think. I mean, when you have a war, if you want to have a war, if you want to follow the logical trajectory of that, as it as it did in the past, you want to end uh, all life on Earth. Well, no, but yeah, exactly. You can't you can't do it in the same way, and you can't have a conventional war because Russia is well prepared for a conventional war. So, and obviously, a conventional war would end up being a likely being some kind of a, could be a nuclear war as well. So, um, yeah, it's carry on up the, up the Cold War. <laughs> carry on up the Cold War Part 2. Um, so all, all sound and fury signifying not very much at all, except how much you can get away sound with. Sound and fury. How much you can get away with via propaganda. Yeah. Uh, get the whole world to not like, not like um, Putin or Russia, Putin, Russia, um, and, and think that so badly of them that it would actually spill over to... And it'd be, you'd have to do it quite a lot, and you can see they're they're, they're trying to do it, uh, you know, repeatedly, and ramping up the, the demonization to the max because they're hoping that it would that that level of propaganda, anti-Russian propaganda, and demonization of Putin as this evil, brutal, whatever, blah blah blah, that it would actually spill over into real people really kind of turning their backs on Russia, like in in very practical ways, not doing deals with Russia anymore, not buying Russian products, not buying, you know what I mean. Economic warfare via propaganda, effectively, um, because most people are like, you know, most people are think. Well, the bottom line is, Russia got stuff to sell. It's cheaper. I'm going to buy it. I don't give a damn about your silly. And they reckon a lot of most people who are clued in realize it's all just propaganda nonsense, you know. But I'm going to do business anyway. But they're hoping that they can turn it around to the point but where they can't, and we know they can't because. Britain just received two emergency shipments of LNG from one of the freaking Arctic gas fields that's under the previous sanctions, right. just like the US received also this winter. Mm-hmm. And and then Kathy Newman's asking, oh, are you going to shut off the gas? Oh, baiting him, you know. But you're the ones who asked us for the emergency supply outside of the sanctions regime you imposed, so they can't even go that distance. That's an example of, the, of the, the hypocrisy and the contradictory oh. nature of what they said. And we see it, we also see it, like, not to go off on a tangent here, but we also see it in the whole kind of leftist, kind of, uh, kind of leftist, radical leftist ideology that's, that's taken over the Western world today, you know. Uh, you follow any of their arguments far enough, and you don't have to go very far, it's immediately a run-up against contradictions and uh, hypocrisy and all sorts of stuff. It just doesn't map to reality, basically, yeah. what, what they say and what the, what the kind of things the British government say and, and their anti, anti-Russia propaganda, none of it maps to reality. And that's where they run up against a, a brick wall and they, they tie themselves in knots, make themselves look stupid, but think, like I just said, they think that with the power of the media, they'll push on through and people will believe it anyway. And it's like, no, I mean... People still have retain a certain level of intelligence that you can't just uh, kind of walk all over. Basically, you know, they will call bullshit on 
flagrant bullshit, mm. you know. Uh, Russian Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Zakharova didn't hold anything back when she said the British government is insane, <laughs> quote. Um, but Sergei Lavrov's a bit more muted. He just simply succinctly pointed out the obvious that this is a distraction from Britain's constitutional crisis over Brexit, obviously the Irish slash Scottish issue. Um, he gave a more elaborate response, though, in some other form. I'm not sure what it was, but it was to a Russian press picked it up. I'm going to read it out for you. Um, the gist of what is happening is the categorical reluctance of the United States and its Western allies to agree that the 500-year-long period of Western domination in world affairs is coming to an end. Transition to a new multipolar democratic and fair world order will last long. But already now, this transition is painful for those who are in the habit of ruling the world for centuries. Mm -hmm. This is what we've been saying for years, but anyway, yeah. finally it's nice to have someone come yeah. out and say it explicitly, what is obviously the truth. Yeah, uh, there's an, we have another uh, little video clip here to, um, that we'd like to, to play. This is on a related but uh, related topic, but um, slightly different. Um, it's a former, who is he, former CIA director? Director, yeah. Somebody, Woolsey. It's James Woolsey. James Woolsey. He's talking Fox News of all people. They want to be a force and they want... Well, he's, let's just preface this but by saying that he's talking about Russia. Yeah. To disrupt things. Uh, they call their big overall program uh, disinformatia, disinformation. Mm -hmm. And uh, they've been doing this since the 1920s, 1930s. What's new is that they do it with cyber. But uh, they have, didn't have much luck disrupting American elections back in the you know, 1930s or 1940s. Uh, but uh, they've been doing that to other countries all along. Uh, they are taking over a lot more of Eurasia than, than they should, and it gives them heart as they mm -hmm. take more and more uh, under their wing. Have we ever tried to meddle in other countries' elections? Oh, probably, but uh, it was for the good of the system in order to avoid the communists from taking yeah. over. For example, in Europe, uh, uh, in 47, 48, 49, uh, the Greeks and the Italians, we... We don't do that CIA. now, though. We don't mess around other people's well, elections, yeah? Well, mm, <laughs> <laughs> Only for a very good Can cause. Can you do that? Do a Vine video on a former CIA director. Only for a very good cause in okay. the interests of democracy. All right, thanks for being here. God. Yes, let's do it. Let's make a GIF out of it and make this thing go viral. <laughs> no, except we should do it and we should get the videos of the cats where the cats go. You do it today. Only for very good causes. What a, I mean, who are these people? I mean, who's that guy? I mean, and when he's asked about when she when she says, "Did we do we did we ever interfere in other other countries' democracy?" He says, "Well, yes, in the past, you know, after Pro the Cold probably. War, probably." Like as if he doesn't know what a lion sack of. Like, I mean, and it goes back to after the Second World War, you know, in in Russia or in in Italy, uh, yeah, that kind of thing. And then she's like, "And, and we don't do it today." And he's like, mm, "Maybe." Maybe we do. He he he. So he makes a funny joke about it, and she thinks it's funny. So we're going to make a viral vine uh, meme out of it or something. Uh, and yet, what he's really talking about there, and what they're laughing about, 
is the thing that they're accusing Russia, the British are accusing mm-hmm. Russia, and the Americans are accusing Russia of doing right now. Because you can bet your ass that meddling in other people's elections, as he said, America has done and still does to today, uh, in, in, involves the assassination of people. Mm-hmm. So that's implicit in, in, in admitting that you uh, meddle in other people's elections. It means having coups, overthrowing, overthrowing governments and coups and killing lots of people. And for him and the Fox News uh, lady, uh, the, C- the CIA director on, the, on, on Fox News, it's a, it's, it's a funny thing. They've been mm-hmm. made uh, a viral video of and everybody can lol, lols about, have lots of lols about it. You know? um, but it's horrific and this most serious diplomatic crisis the world has ever known when Russia is accused of doing the same mm-hmm. thing. So, yeah, can we say hypocrisy? Yeah, hypocrisy is where life, you and know, but... Putin brought it up in his interview with Megyn Kelly. Um, rather, she did, of course, for the umpteenth time. And he rebuffed her for the umpteenth time by saying, you know, by claiming, let's assume what he's saying is the truth in some form or other. He said that U.S. government officials have told him whenever they've responded, the Russians, with, but hang on, what about your meddling in other people's elections. They told him point blank. Yeah, but we're allowed to, you're not. We're allowed to, you're not, because we're spreading freedom and democracy. Right. (laughs) Now, I doubt the person who said that actually believes the ideological cover for it. A lot of them do, though. But they still have the gall to just, I'll say that here. Well, the idea is I'm right and you're wrong. How often do you see that in, uh, in, in normal human relationships? Where the argument just gets all the way up and it ends up with, no, because it's me. Because I'm right and you're wrong. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's pathological uh, right man kind of syndrome, you know. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, one thing tied to that is a story just recently. Uh, uh, it's on, it was on Sputnik. You won't see it in many other uh, news outlets, particularly in, in, in Europe or America, is the U.S. Senate has warned Russia that it will apply or increase or impose new sanctions if... S-400s, Russia's anti-aircraft system, is sold to any foreign nations. So you have the American Senate threatening to wage economic war, to to punish the Russian government and the Russian people, implication, if Russia sells any of its military hardware, a specific piece of military hardware, to anybody else, anybody else in the world. What does that say? About the, the, the attitude of, the, of these people in the Senate who, who, have, who have tabled this, this, this idea. That one country in the world can, I mean... We rule, world, you don't. We rule absolutely, completely... Our jurisdiction un, is unlimited. On pain of punishment, you will do what we say, including uh, not selling things that we don't want you to sell to anybody else. You cannot sell your anti-missile system to Thailand, for example. If you do, we will punish you. Uh, why are you the mafia? What are you, the mafia? Are you some kind of, uh, you know, I, I want to use some expletives, but I'm not allowed to. Anyway, um, because so yeah, freedom and democracy. Because freedom and democracy. Yeah. Uh, we have um, Stephen on the line. Stephen. Hey, how y'all doing? Not too bad. How's yourself? I'm doing great. Yeah, this is um. This is, I think, the point is is uh, one of the most important points is imperialism in in the uh, the unipolar world with the United States as the sole and only superpower. This this hysteria with Russia has gotten so become so absurd 
and it has become so deep within the psyche of just average people who you would think like in the past you could have a political discussion about. But this Russia thing is just, it really points to something deeper, which is, um, I think, the linchpin, Syria, and the game changer of China becoming uh, the dominant economic power and aligning with Russia and, and not openly challenging the United States militarily because they're not in the position to do that with what they have as far as um, defense and war cap capabilities. So they're just little by little, they're, um, they're, they're bringing the United States down and what's rising in its place is a multipolar world with Russia and China as allies of a sorts um, against the U.S. because the U.S. has become so dangerous for the uh, continuation of life on this planet. I mean, it gets really deep, in my opinion. This is about life and human extinction. The uh, the just the brazen the brazen thuggery mm -hmm. of the United States as an empire has just become a threat to humanity in general. Of course, this is my ideological take on this. But um, this Russia hysteria, in my opinion, really just points to that central issue that's the game changer. And what amazes me as I look at the what used to I used to fancy as the anti-war progressive left. I mean, the, some things really stand out to me. For one thing, the Southern Poverty Law Center um, had a guy. I forget the guy's name, but he was a, he's supposed to be a left liberal. And he smeared Rania Kalik, Ben Norton, Max Blumenthal, and, and people that have taken the anti-imperialist uh, side uh, with respect to, to Syria, the Syria conflict, right? And this is the Southern Poverty Law Center that historically stuck up for blacks, uh, civil rights movement. They were they're an icon of that civil rights 60s era. And they're, and they're publishing smear pieces against people that are bringing the, uh, a more correct narrative of what is happening in Syria. I, I find this amazing. And this ties into the social justice warrior, um, you know, brouhaha. In my opinion, they have, so, there's some good points coming from about our system and racism and all, there's some good points. But they're also become so hysterical that they just function as a diversion from things that we should be paying attention to as a broad coalition so we could develop movements to counter things and change things for the better. Um, we're just totally divided. And behind it, I, I just see this imperialism thing that's just uh, breaking down and deteriorating, you know, as time goes on. So. Mm -hmm. Um, exactly. Uh, the important point is to remember, Stephen, that uh, as we pointed out, it's not just that we, people can point at extremists, say, on campuses and say, well, they're obviously nuts. You're getting an idea now of how insidious ideology can be in infecting institutions, which previously mm -hmm. thought a whole different way about a whole set of topics. Mm -hmm. And you wake up one morning, it seems, it seems to be overnight, and they're saying the strangest things. But it's, it's been a long-term thing, eating away at them, you know? Well, I think the, 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 big, the big point there is that what you find out is that 
is that people who claim to be concerned or uh, care for um, you know you know people who are disen, disadvantaged or disenfranchised, whatever you know, there's an awful lot of people out there who say all the right things, but when you, when it comes down to it, they don't really give a damn. Uh, they're exactly, in it, they're in it for themselves, you know. And, char- and really- charities, in really, in my opinion, of what I've I've observed, things like the Sierra Club, Greenpeace. Mm-hmm. When you really look at them, some things strike me. They don't have open books that are just clear on how much money they take in from whom and where it goes within their organizational dynamics, right? Mm-hmm. right. So I just see that as common among almost every charity. You know, it's like uh, these are these are liberal progressive types trying to um, posture as being ethical, but while in reality they're living a pretty easy life on 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 just generating uh, hysteria or or, or right. authentic sympathy for good causes. Mm. They're just like parasites, and we can't. And you wonder why we don't have an organized anti-war, pro-worker politics in this country. I mean, mm-hmm. it's amazing how it works. The bottom line is also the bottom line. All of this division and confusion among the general population makes it to where people just can't bargain and organize and pressure for better wages, for real things like uh, real pollution that exists in the environment. You know, it's like we can't, we don't have any type of poli- po- politicians or movement that is going toward that direction. So we get all of this diversion and this Russia hysteria hysteria is like the the ultimate, you know, delusion among the population because but this also signals that the empire is deteriorating. It's on the wane. And so there's a positive side to all of this. But uh it's gonna be painful, right? It is painful. We could get into uh Syria really worries me guys because we could very well get into a hot war with Russia because Syria is such a linchpin for the imperial project going into the future. Mm -hmm. They feel they just can't lose Syria or else the multipolar world, U.S. power is going to go down. But the more they try to hang on to Syria, the worse it's going to be, and that's going to eventuate to the same conclusion, Mm -hmm. the deterioration of empire. But a lot of people will be killed and it will be a lot of many years into the future that this can play out really, really in a terrifying manner. So, mm-hmm. yeah, thanks. Thanks for letting me comment. All right, Stephen. Thanks, thanks Stephen. Thanks for calling. We've care. got Bye-bye. some we've got some major breaking news, people. <clears throat> With 21 percent of the votes counted, mostly in the eastern part of Russia, Vladimir Putin leads with over 70 percent of the vote. No way. Well ahead of a simple majority needed to avoid a runoff. That's a turn up for the books. 70%. What did we say at the start of the show? 70%, 70%. We, we, we took bets. <clears throat> I said 71. I said 76. Oh, okay. 70, 70. But you have to do turnout as well. Turnout. Turnout's unknown yet. Yeah. No. What's your prediction for turnout? 70. <sighs> 70% win, I, 70% turnout. I don't know. They even, uh, but they even bother because... It's a foregone conclusion. Well, you, you saw that commercial, right, for, uh, I think, I, I can't remember if it was an official, like, Putin campaign commercial or if it was uh, maybe United Russia. That's his, like, supporting party, right? Um, but it was a an ad, a Russian ad to encourage voting. Mm. And it's this couple, 
you know, lying down before going to bed and the, the oh, wife yes, yes, you know, yes. says, oh, right. remember, we got to get up to vote tomorrow. And the guy's like, why do we need to vote? It's like, right. they know how to do it. It's like, <laughs> let other people do it. We know who's going to win. Turnout has exceeded 50, 50%. So wow. far. So far. Uh, that's great news. The whole thing, uh, the other thing I wanted to say about, um, Stephen was mentioning Syria there. I, was, I wanted to mention about uh, Eastern Gouda and stuff. Uh, the stuff yeah. that's going on there. Uh, Eastern Gouda being a district of Damascus. Um, you know, it's strange how, you know, over the past couple of years, you know, obviously it's been very comp- compl- complex and complicated in, in Syria, but you had Aleppo, the liberation of Aleppo uh, a little over a year ago. Um, by Russia and the Syrian army, effectively, with the help of a few others, uh, Iran, Hezbollah, people like that, uh, and then it moved. The, the, the amazing ability of uh, of these jihadi, so-called opposition groups, this ridiculous term, opposition, as if there ever really was any significant opposition uh, in Syria that wanted a civil war. Uh, they're all, obviously, as, as everybody knows, they were shuttled in from outside something like somebody give a figure of like 60 different nationalities mm-hmm. in Syria you have your civil war 60 different nationalities fighting in Syria yet yeah, civil war sure whatever um, all paid for by the Saudis and the Americans and their European allies uh, but they had this amazing ability to just kind of like uh, get into an area a fairly big area suburb of Damascus and basically take it over you know um, as they did in Aleppo and it took the Russians and the Syrian army uh, quite a long time to liberate Aleppo, uh, and they're they're doing their process, coming to the end of doing pretty much the same thing in, in Damascus right now. But then there's talk, Nikki Haley, <clears throat> what's her name, Waffle House, Waffle House Nikki, um, Haley, the U.S. Uh, ambassador, uh, representative, whatever, uh, idiot, uh, U.S. idiot at the UN. Um, she's been making a lot. Of, she started making a lot of noises, but obviously it's the U.S. government talking about, uh, you know. Because Eastern Gouda, Damascus is being liberated, and uh, America's jihadis are keeping uh, people from civilians uh, from stopping them from leaving, and then if they get killed or injured in in, in air raids or bombing or whatever, then it's like Putin and Assad are massacring people in Syria. Well, no, it's actually your jihadis who are keeping them hostage, not letting them leave. That's causing them to any people to be to be killed in, in Eastern Gouda. But there's also talk, and the Russians have been responding to that. By saying that looks to them, there's no other evidence necessarily, but they've been making a lot of noise about the idea that the Americans are planning a false flag. In fact, they don't, I don't think they use that term, but a provocation they use it, but it's basically a false flag attack, a false flag chemical weapons attack. <clears throat> Yet again, another one, what this is like the 17th, 17th claimed chemical, chemical weapons attack in Syria over the past seven or eight years, um, that they're planning to, the Americans are planning to stage a chemical weapons attack. Uh, blame it on Assad and then use that as justification to directly, for the first time really, officially, directly uh, attack the Syrian army, including Assad's palaces. And they use this term palace, Assad's palace in Damascus. It's like, that harkens back. Are you trying to remind me some, of something, somebody else's palace? Let me think, 2003, guy with a mustache, some other Middle Eastern country. What was his name? Yeah, uh, as well. The country, country next door. Country begin with B. Yeah, oh, that one next door, yeah. Well, Iraq and uh, Saddam's palaces. Shock and awe. And uh, the Assad family live in an apartment, right, which the exactly. Vogue highlighted in an interview with him like 10 years ago. Right. We'll bomb his palaces and the Syrian army. So 
the Russians have said that this is what they're planning to do. You, they have their own uh, information leading them to that conclusion. And they've said, well, obviously, they've said that uh, if they do that, that there will be retaliation. I.e., they're saying, don't do that, because if any planes that come within <clears throat> earshot or radar shot uh, of, of you know, Damascus or really anywhere in Syria, uh, anywhere where the Syrian army is, um, which might include elements of the Russian army, they'll be shot down. Yeah. So This is where the war rhetoric <clears throat> is up and the likelihood of repercussions and tit-for-tat are high, and that's where Stephen's right, that the likelihood for something dangerous to happen in Syria is there. However, that's in the context of a proxy war. Right. It's over there. It's not the homeland, it's not the fatherland, so it's still right. as horrible as it could yet get. Yeah. It's still safe. Yeah. For, <clears throat> for Westerners, anyway. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, the, the Russians are wise to it. Like, I mean, the... They can't really shoot down any Russian planes anymore. I don't think the Russians have had a couple of experiences of that, uh, of jihadis, American jihadis, somehow managing to get man pads and then Russia flying maybe older planes a little too low and they get shot down by shoulder-fired uh, anti-aircraft missiles. Um, the Russians are wise to that now, um, although who, who knows what else. You remember that you... plane that crashed last week, 10 days ago? On, on its way into with landing at Latakia. Right. Uh, it killed 39, like a whole bunch of pilots were, were rotating. Right. And they're all dead. Um, yeah. You wonder, was that, but that was a technical a, failure? But that was, was a transport plane. Transport you know, plane. That doesn't fly, can't fly so high and would obviously coming into land would be, would be quite uh, quite low, you know. So, so yeah, they can hit them in that way. Uh, not take down jets, but take down, you know, uh, not fighter jets, but those kind of commercial planes. Um, but this, by the same token, um, if America flies its F-15s, F-16s, whatever, too close, or F-22s or whatever, uh, close enough to be threatening to the Syrian army, then the Syrian army can shoot down uh, American planes. Not Russia, obviously, shooting down, right? But mm-hmm. shooting down American planes with Russian anti-aircraft systems, but it was the Syrians. So, you know, you can continue that kind of a war for quite a long time until if, if both sides are willing to accept it, you know. You have your jihadi shoot down one of our planes. We'll have the Syrian army shoot down one of your planes. How long do you yeah. want to keep this going? It only lasts as long as there are pockets that are not yet cleared. Right. And that's why Ghouta is important, as well as other ones, one near Hama, and then, of course, in the north, Idlib is still a yeah. pocket. Um, Idlib is... It is complicated because it's next to Afrin, right. where the Turks are closing in on the city. They well, claim to have taken right. the city. Yeah. Um, but that's that's put pay to the Americans. That The Turks effectively is what we've been trying to work out over the past while, but it seems pretty clear that the Turks uh, are effectively working against the American plot, the American Plan B, as it's called, whatever, to establish a kind of Kurdistan in the north. That's all not going to plan, effectively. It's not really working out. And America, and that's why you're seeing this ramp up in, uh, in threats towards to, to directly attack the, the Syrian army because they're getting desperate, basically, because it's ultimately Russia and Syria just have to stand their ground and, and, and you know, keep going, basically, uh, protecting themselves as they're able to. And, uh, and ultimately, I think it'll all, America's plan for Syria will all end up uh, in pieces. There'll be nothing left. But the question is, will they do something before that happens? You know, will they, will they say, okay, gloves are off. We're not going down without 
taking someone else, taking you down with us, basically, you know, that kind of thing. But it's just interesting, the whole chemical weapons thing coming up right now at the same time you have this chemical yeah. chemical weapon and, uh, attack, quote-unquote, in, in the UK. You they know, sure like, like to, to use this. I mean, it's failed in Syria over and over. Going back to the first one, 2013, Obama, red line, nobody's using chemical weapons. The planes are hot, weapons hot, on the runway, ready to go, and then they call it off. That's the first failure, and it's one after the other after the other. And then a chemical weapons attack in Britain. Not blamed on terrorists. This is where I was afraid things were going to start going. Because you could see how the previous strategy would be just airlifted over to the new one. So before it was Al-Qaeda, ISIS, jihadi terrorists conducting all these terrorist attacks. Now... Is this is this a horrible milestone now where it's going to be Russia's conducting terror attacks elsewhere? Because Nikki Haley at the UN said, you know, we never know. Where this could happen on the streets of New York any day now. Right. Hint, hint. That's... It's hard to know how much that you put down to just uh, opportunistic propagandizing. You know what I mean? Take the opportunity. You're not going to let an opportunity. You're not going to look gift horse in the mouth type of thing. So every opportunity that comes along, you know, to, to bash Russia in some way, you do it. You know, up the ante, up the rhetoric. You know, fear monger, saber rattling. But it all comes to nothing. You know, I mean, there's, there's a lot to be said for the idea that the more they do that, or, or what would be the description of it? it? It's like their ability to actually do anything about their Russia problem is inversely proportional to the amount of shouting they do about Russia. The amount of demonization, the level of demonization of Russia uh, is equal to the the lack of their ability, proportionally equal to the lack of their ability to actually do anything about it. So they yeah. just get more and more hysterical, you know. They, and... They, and, as you mentioned earlier, the increasing gap between their narrative of reality and how it actually is, it's, it's mapping less and less. Just on, on Eastern Ghouta, for example, all week long, Western media reports, civilians flee Eastern Ghouta as Assad regime besieges, you know, they, the Russians stuck live all week long. RT in his top right corner of the page has had a live streaming of the civilians fleeing. They're walking calmly out. They're evacuating after the end of a five-year siege by the Western-backed terrorists. They're being liberated. So that's the reality, you know. And it, 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 yeah. the yeah. only thing they have is that it, the Western media is uniform in presenting a 180 degrees opposite reality. Right. And they want, they're trying to figure out how far they can push that, how far they can push uh, a fake version of reality onto reality and see if they can, it can make it fly, you know, convince enough people that that's what's actually happening. They're, at, they're in a battle. They're in an existential war with reality, these people. And they, they think they can they win. Can win. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Some, some American news this week. Trump's fired a couple of people. Mm. <clears throat> You're fired. <laughs> fired. First Tillerson. I was surprised by that, but yeah. Anyone know why? Probably, as opposed to why officially. Hmm? No. no Who idea. knows? Probably disagreements. Whatever. Or just He's, that's what he said. Differences in opinions. Yeah. yeah. You can probably take that at face value, you know. But uh, I just thought it was funny how how easily Pompeo, the head, the director of the CIA, 
uh, just slip through in the, in the Secretary of State. Yeah. State like, is that the same department then? Oh, yeah, it probably is. Yeah, so, yeah, CIA, yeah, everything that happens in the State oh. Department is CIA, and everything that happens in the CIA is State Department. Well, foreign affairs. Right. Nominally, they're both concerned with affairs outside the country. But, of course, the CIA right. is heavily invested in, right. in meddling in U.S. internal politics. As is the State Department. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, there, there's nothing between them, basically. Uh, who else was fired? McCabe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Deputy Director of the FBI. And there was lots of gnashing of teeth and mining. One day before he would have picked up retirement. retirement. Well, that's a dig, you know, but there you go. Uh, That's what it's all about. Trump tweeted. These days. Well, Trump pushed out Sessions and said, Sessions did it, it wasn't me. But then he couldn't help himself, so he tweets (laughs) yesterday, I think. Andrew McCabe fired. (laughs) Fired is all caps. A great day for the hard-working men and women of the FBI. A great day for democracy, with a capital D. Sanctimonious James Comey was his boss and made McCabe look like a choir boy. He knew all about the lies and corruption going on at the highest levels of the FBI! Exclamation mark. To which John ben- Brennan, former director of the CIA, the big Neanderthal brute, um, replied on Trump's Twitter thread, when the full extent of your venality, moral turpitude, and political corruption becomes known, you will take your rightful place as a disgraced demagogue in the dustbin of history. You may scapegoat Andy McCabe, but you will not destroy America. America will triumph over you. Now, I've obviously added inflections there, but that is literally what he wrote. So you have former director of the CIA... Tweeting in, in a tweet in a Twitter war with the current uh, president of the yeah. USA. Score. And it's all yes. Putin's fault. He's sowing the discord. He made them do it. Look what you made me do. Look what you made Brennan do. <laughs> what was the last word? Last phrase? America will triumph over you. America will triumph over you. Over you. As he gets fired out of the uh, other, other American news this week, uh, Hillary fell. Oh, yeah. Not again. just again, but again. Twice again. And again. And again. Oh, <laughs> she fell twice in India. She, I don't know what she's doing in India. I guess she's taking in the sights. No, she's trying to, she's trying to make some money. Probably. She's, you've probably seen the video. RT made a hilarious meme out of it, of her slipping on the stairs at this temple. And then I think on the, not she either made it back home or she hadn't left yet. She, she fell and broke she her had, wrist. She had a bad vindaloo. <laughs> That's what's happened. It's it's the water. The it's, water it's did the it. The water. She deli belly. You think they'd put her up in a nice hotel where the water was was better, you know? But there you go. Is that racist for me to say? No, they should have got what's it called, like a palanquin. Yes. You know where they carry her around. She right, obviously yeah. needs it. Yeah. She's in. You know, yeah. foreign country. Yeah. Empress. <laughs> Empress Clinton. Empress Clinton of America visits. Can make her make her feel important. Visits the Raj. Soothe her bruised ego. Yeah. What a sad. Everyone wins. Sad, sad picture she portrays. Anyway. Um, there isn't much else going on, really, is there? Um, <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah, there's a load of stuff going on, but you know, it's par for the course these days. I mean, yeah, uh, there's nothing. There's a big SH1T show going on out there all over the place. And there's any number of topics we could talk about, but you know, we've pretty much talked about them before already. 
you know more or less a score on it. It's only whenever something big happens in one area of the big SH1T show that we actually talk about it and say, oh, look, that big, you know, geyser going off of the geyser. Um, so, yeah, uh, there's not much more really going on. Well, just one more comment I wanted to make on the whole Skripal thing. Yes. Is that today, t- again, it was either today or yesterday, there was an, uh, a statement made by the Metro Police saying that the investigation would last, you know, Many weeks, weeks. Potentially months. And, you know, that just made me think, why? Why do they need to investigate? They already know who did it. Right, exactly. So what's up with the Metro Police? I mean... They have to get their story straight. It can take a long time. Yeah, to I mean, no, no. It's like they, they just, they're just not paying attention because, right. the you know, Theresa May has already solved the case. Exactly, yeah. Theresa May knows. Just get her in. Yeah, just get all the evidence that Boris Johnson has. Yeah, bobblehead will come up with a little... But but really, um, that that was just the you know the icing on the cake for me because um, it's just well, from 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 one side of their mouth you know the uh, official Britain has acknowledged that they don't know who did it they don't have a suspect they don't know anything about what happened all they know is, is some, that two people yeah two people are are poisoned. came down with something came down with something. And yet here's Theresa May and Boris Johnson and Gavin Williamson. Oh, we know who did it. Oh, we know who did it. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, no, you don't. And Russia's like, but us? We have got any evidence? Shut up and go away. We've got, we've got this. We don't need your input, Russia. You just be the the target. You just be the accused and sit there and shut up. Yeah, while we'll, we accuse you of all sorts of things. And we we may get, you know, we'll... We'll make stuff up as we go along, basically. Yeah. First of all, we'll say that you poisoned this person, you know, via their luggage or in a restaurant. We put Parmesan VX, <laughs> VX Parmesan cheese on their on their spaghetti. Uh, no, it wasn't that, actually. You uh, put it in her <coughs> luggage. Uh, no, it wasn't that, actually. It was uh, on the door handles of the car. No, actually, it wasn't that. It was in the air conditioning of the car. See, we have it pretty clear at this point that out of one of those four things and – probably another four at least, that's somehow how it happened. So yeah. we're quite clear that you did this uh, in some way or other mm-hmm. because we have the uh, chemical agent Indeed. in our and own once, stock. Once the investigation is completed, then we'll be able to show you what we find that proves you were guilty the whole time. Right. We'll accuse so you then. first and then fabricate the evidence afterwards and give us several weeks to do that, at least maybe maybe two months. And then we'll come back with the evidence that we've made up that proves our a priori uh, accusation that you are guilty. Does that Q- sound okay? QED. No. Exactly. All right. Um, I think we'll leave it there for this week, folks. Uh, we hope you enjoy the show. We will be back next week with another one. Until then, have a good evening. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.